and it's just this like train wreck that just keeps going and you feel like everything's falling apart and that's the whole catastrophizing thing. The Your Life Sucks podcast, destigmatizing mental health through discussion. Hi, all. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're here with Nemi Helfgott. Hi, Nemi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. Happy one-year corona anniversary, by the way. Uh, you for too. All, <laughs> for all those who don't get the reference, SAR, the school that we go to, was closed on March 3rd, 2020. Uh, it's crazy mm-hmm. that it's been a year. Like, my it's God. It's really crazy. Oh, my Hopefully God. Hopefully not next year. We won't be here in the yeah, same situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we won't be, but, but yeah. Sure. Crazy that it's been a year. Anyway, Nemi, tell us about yourself. Um, yeah, I'm in 11th grade at SAR, and I, uh, I've been through a lot of stuff that I'm happy to talk about. Yeah, so. <laughs> great. So, so let's let's start in seventh grade. Let's get into it. Okay, yeah. so just a little bit of background. So, I've mm-hmm. always been kind of like an anxious, nervous kid, but um, it kind of first boiled over in seventh grade, and I always mm-hmm. had a lot of separation anxiety. So, going into seventh grade. At the camp that I go to, Camp Stone, shout out to all my camp friends. I always, so my parents worked in the staff at Camp Stone, so I always kind of had the option when I was younger to sleep in their bunk. Um, and did you do that so, often? Yeah, so I always used to do that when I was younger, up until seventh grade, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always hard because I wanted to be with all the other kids in the bunk, but I always felt that separation anxiety from my parents. So then... Okay. That year, going into seventh grade, I told myself that this was going to be the year that I was in middle school. This was going to be the year that I was going to sleep in the bunk. And during the few days before camp started, we go up a little bit early during those days. I threw up one day. And that was due to the anxiety anticipating me sleeping in the bunk. I call that like a psychosomatic kind of symptom of the anxiety. And that means like, some physical manifestation of the anxiety that you're having. So for me, thank you for the definition. Yeah, no problem. Um, So for me, it was pretty extreme. It was throwing up. And after that, it became not just the anxiety about sleeping in the bunk, which I ended up not doing in the end, but it became anxiety about throwing up. And it became like this vicious cycle. Like I was afraid Mm -hmm. to throw up and that would make me nervous. And then I would throw up. So this continued through camp and after camp. And some people might remember me throwing up. Some close camp friends might remember that. And this continued into the school year. And my parents um, are very familiar with the whole mental health situation, all of that. And they... Mm -hmm. Shout out to Rabbi Elfgott. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Rabbi Elfgott. So they suggest... Well, my dad. So they suggested that I start going to therapy and maybe I could work through those things and not have problems with separation anxiety anymore. So sure. that's what we did. And we started a certain type of therapy called CBT, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, do you want to describe what that looked like? For yeah, you? sure. So this is like a very concrete, it was a very concrete type of therapy where they think of like your thoughts, your behaviors and your actions, and they try to analyze those and then change those replace it with something else mm-hmm. so for me an example of that was every time I felt like I was about to throw up I had that feeling in my stomach and my throat every time I felt that I would feel like oh my god this is terrible I'm gonna throw up and at CBT we worked on saying to myself 
either I'm not going to throw up or I am going to throw up, but it's not the end of the world. And that was kind of to decatastrophize, like to not make it um, like it was a catastrophe. So that's yeah, sure. And then we also talked about the separation anxiety thing. And the way that we worked on that is that we would take little steps. So one step would be I would um, sleep out of my room for a night, something dumb like that. One um, step would be for my parents to go on a date night for one night and me to go to bed before they came home. And slowly I started to go on sleepovers and stuff like that and took bigger steps. And by the time seventh grade ended, I went to camp and I had a great time in Ada Gimmel and I slept in the bunk and it was awesome. And so that so therapy I think, was, I think you're describing the therapy was, um, exposure therapy where, you know, you're yeah, exposing sure. yourself in, in yeah, exactly. and I little think... steps. Yeah. So you build up that, um, tolerance to that. And then eventually for the big event, um, it isn't such a problem. So yeah. that therapy was highly effective for me and that was great. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to this year, um, mm -hmm. I haven't really had any problems until this year. Just to talk about that. So I started um, 11th grade. I was a junior. I am a junior right now still. So um, it started off pretty great. Um, it was really nice to be back in school after the whole, whole corona situation. Seriously. Um, and around Sukkot time, right before... That's um, the Jewish holiday in yeah. like around mid-October. Yeah, all so around mid-October, um, for all who don't know, I started to feel a little off. And it was very sudden, and it didn't really have a triggering event. Didn't I didn't really know why it started, but I started to feel off, and I started to feel the feelings in my stomach again and stuff like that. And it felt very similar to how it felt in seventh grade. And I hadn't really thought about seventh grade in a long time. I guess I tried to block that memory out of my head a little bit mm -hmm. it felt very similar to that at that time and I happened to throw up like that first night that I was feeling off and it just brought back like a flood of memories and it just like yeah. ticked off these boxes in my brains like oh my god this is happening this happened this happened this happened and I feel this way and this way and this way and it's just this like train wreck that just keeps going and you feel like everything's falling apart and that's the whole catastrophizing thing but luckily i also remembered the things we talked about in therapy about how mm -hmm. we have to ask ourselves is this the worst thing in the world and even if it is we can handle it and for me the way i always thought about it was this is not worse than getting a blood test i always hated blood tests and i was always had a lot of doctor and medical anxiety. So that was always how I thought about this. Is this worse than a blood test? No, it wasn't. So then I would be good. So I did those trips mm -hmm. myself. And after a bit, it actually worked. Although during that time where I was feeling down, it was for about two weeks. And it was more of a um, depression than an anxiety. So um, mm -hmm. depression is feeling very sad, but it's also feeling hopeless, feeling guilty, having low appetite. That was a big thing for me. And having the low appetite actually was very hard for me always because as many of you out there know, if you know me, I am very short. Um, so I always mm -hmm. eat a lot and enough. I like to steal people's food at lunch. A lot of people know that about me so that hopefully mm -hmm. at some point I may get taller. So that whole loss of appetite thing was very hard for me, even though it's little bit of a minor thing but it, it makes you lose energy a lot and um 
Another thing that happens is sleep disturbance, and that also contributes to losing energy. And mm-hmm. all that losing energy stuff manifested in a decline in academic performance. And that sure. was hard because that was always something that I kind of had. I always kind of tried hard in school and all that. And I remember mm-hmm. sitting um, during the holiday in October. I remember sitting down and trying to read through my U.S. history textbook. And I remember mm-hmm. reading through about a paragraph and not being able to understand a word that it said. And I would go back and try to read word by word, but I just couldn't focus. The only thing I could read about was depression. And I just kept reading about depression over and over again. You mean you would look things up about depression? Yeah, I would look things up, like how to cope with it, all this. And for some, Mm -hmm. that can be helpful. Like you get coping mechanisms and you have... Um, good coping strategies and stuff like that. But for me, it became this unnecessary obsession um, where I would look something up and then see, try to convince myself or try to convince myself that I didn't have those things that I was looking up. And it became this endless loop in my mind of asking myself whether I did have depression or not, because I would look it up and be like, hmm, do I check off all these boxes or do I not? Yeah, I think that's a lot of people, when they start medication, they're they're very nervous. They've never taken medication before, and they look up side effects. And, like, yeah. know, people post the crazy things. Like, I gained 30 pounds. I lost 30 yeah. pounds. I shrunk. I turned yeah. blue. Like, it's just, there's, like, so much stuff on the internet that could totally psych you out. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally yeah. get that. Looking so stuff funny. Up. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get to medication in a second, but that was a big thing for me, the looking up the side effects. Uh, mm-hmm. So, thank God that first kind of episode, that first kind of depressive episode ended after about two weeks, just as I was coming back to school. And I think that was because school was a good distraction from that. And eventually you distract yourself enough from that. You're not thinking about it all day. I started taking tests and it went well and things were good for about a few weeks. And then Mm -hmm. around the beginning of November, I started feeling really down again, really off. I threw up again. It kind of started the same way it did last time. Um, Mm -hmm. But this time I had much more severe sleep disturbance. So I didn't sleep for two whole days. It was terrible. And I like couldn't stay awake in school. And I remember once I took an Arabic test and I just was sleeping the whole time through the Arabic test, which was pretty funny, but not so funny. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I couldn't really stay awake in school and the sleep was really bad. So it was at that point when those physical symptoms get really bad, you start to think about whether medication can help because um, afterwards there's just jumping ahead a little, but I was talking to my psychiatrist about this and he was saying that basically the emotional symptoms of depression, so the ruminating and all that stuff can be helped a little with medication, but what medication really helps you with is giving you the energy and alleviating those um, energy draining physical symptoms like the throwing mm-hmm. up. I mean, at least for me, the throwing up, but mostly the loss of appetite and the, the sleep disturbances. Um, it alleviates that so that you can kind of handle and work through those emotional problems. That mm-hmm. And I had been going to therapy for a few weeks. This therapy, which wasn't CBT, actually, it was psychoanalytical, which is more analyzing your thought patterns and just kind of talking through stuff. Mm-hmm. Why'd you switch? So good question. I actually switched because I felt I already knew everything about CBT um, because I had done it before and I remembered everything. So I thought maybe I would take a chance. Um, with a different type. Mm-hmm. And I also thought okay. that 
with my specific thing is that CBT is very concrete and psychoanalytical therapy is very free flowing. And I didn't really have a trigger event or like something specific that I needed to work on. So I thought something something very open would work better for me. I really liked my therapist and it was great, but I just didn't feel when you don't have that concrete trigger event or a event that you're working towards, it feels like you're kind of not working towards anything. So it's hard to make progress. You really are making progress, even just walk talking through your feelings. I highly recommend it's a really great resource and it doesn't have to be um, when you're in crisis, it can be short term, it can be long term, all that sort of thing. But anyway, yeah, therapy is great. Yeah, so exactly. So anyway, um, but back to the medication, these physical symptoms that we are talking about, and especially something called EMA, early morning awakening, my psychiatrist told me that is like a hallmark of depression. And I would be waking up at like three in the morning, it was really annoying, and not being able mm-hmm. to fall asleep. He concluded that I should go on medication. And I don't feel embarrassed to say that at all. And other people in my family have done it. Multiple people in my family, as you've seen from this podcast, there are multiple other people in the community that are doing it. Multiple other people that don't Mm -hmm. talk about it. It's really, really very common to anyone out there. It's it's like more common than anyone. Yeah, it's so it's like the most common medication that anyone takes. But anyway, Mm -hmm. like I was saying before, I always had a lot of medical and doctor anxiety. So going on like a prescription medication was like kind of way outside of my comfort zone. So Mm -hmm. we worked through kind of alleviating that anxiety. And my psychiatrist thinks about it this way. Depression kind of has two parts. There's the chemical imbalance. And then there's the like emotional problems. So the emotional you can mm-hmm. work through with therapy, but the chemical imbalance of not having enough um, serotonin or stuff like that, you kind of have to work through with medication. And I say this all the time yeah. in on the podcast that like a medication is not like a one solution. Yeah. It really just helps you, yeah. you know, enable you to do exactly. the therapy. It enables you to talk through everything. Exactly. So basically, the way my psychiatrist explained it to me is that it's like you have a vitamin D deficiency, right? So mm-hmm. like, if you don't have enough vitamin D, you take vitamin D supplements, and it's not a big deal. So obviously, this is like a prescription drug. So it's more um, intense than a vitamin D supplement situation. But it's like you have a serotonin deficiency. So that kind of made me feel more relaxed about it. And the fact that my parents have had experience with it and they knew about it made me more relaxed. And so I was less tense about going into the whole medication journey, I'll call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started that. And after a few weeks, that started to work. During this, I'll call it round two, this depressive episode, Wool was really, really affected and also friendships. So luckily, I had the courage to... um, tell my friends what was happening and that was really hard even though it sometimes doesn't seem hard it feels really hard and they were Mm -hmm. thank god they were very understanding and they were very chill about it and they were like if you need space whatever and that was what i needed i was really really quiet in school and i just wouldn't talk at all and would just like walk away and not want to engage with anyone we worked with um the psychologist in school to see how they could adapt my test taking because I just couldn't sit for a test and focus on anything other than the depression itself. It was very meta. So we worked out that I was going to take a break from testing for a bit. And that 
actually socially seem to be a bit hard because you don't realize how much the social it's really bad actually that a lot of the social interaction in school yeah, is yeah. around tests like we talk mm-hmm. about tests a lot you don't realize how much you do it it's really bad <laughs> the whole missing test was like what i needed and like some people were like jealous they were like oh my god we want to miss test whatever but like it also no you don't really hard and like also like missing tests and having to like catch up on things like especially physics like catching up on physics was so painful but like i used vacation time to do that and whatever so that was okay um Mm -hmm. and then by winter break time that was like in december it started getting better and then I just had a little bit of a dip right after winter break. And that was like lack of energy. I missed one test. I um, wasn't eating a lot, but that was done in a week. That wasn't really like a big deal. And we just, whatever, that that, that just showed me that. Um, and I think about this is that after the first round, I was very worried about it going down again, right? And it did. But after the third round happened and I saw that it really could just be for a week and not be a big deal, I realized that these dips that happen could really not be such a big deal. And the fact that I don't make a big deal about them could shorten them. That when I make a big deal out of them, it's actually counterintuitive. It makes the length of it, it makes it longer. So I don't know, just the takeaway from that is kind of, I don't want to say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Because, like, if you get in a car crash and you're paralyzed, like, that's not true. What Mm -hmm. didn't kill you made you paralyzed. But I will say that, like, experiences and especially tough experiences that you have, you really learn from them and you really do get stronger from them. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's it for me. I think that's what I want to say. Awesome. Nemi, thank you for your story. No problem. Um, Thank you for asking me. Yeah. Just a question for the end. I know you just briefly touched on this, but do you ever see yourself having another depressive episode? Not, you know, to sound like a pessimist. I know yeah, you're not no a or anything, but, you know, how do you how do you cope with that? Yeah, so actually, just to add a little bit of backstory, during the first two depressive episodes that were really bad, mm-hmm. I used to give myself ultimatums. I would be like, I want this to be cleared up by this date or else. And it was like, or else what? And that was scary. And I would also think about what if when I go to college and this happens and I don't have the whole support system of my mom and dad and it was just this runaway train of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I realized Mm -hmm. that like right now during this time, this is how it's happening and we're living in the moment and whatever. And then I'll have a different support system and that's how it's going to happen. And I'll be older and I'll be able to handle it like that. But you asked do I think I'll have one again? I mean, statistically, and like from all my Google searching, it's very likely that it will happen again. The thing is, is that given that I know it's going to happen again, I also know that I can get out of it again. And that's the thing yeah. I want to focus on. Um, because yeah. positivity is really, really helpful for these things. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I have more of a toolkit now. So I have experience in two types of therapy. So that's double the goodness. I also have um, medication that I can take, whether uh, I don't think this medication is going to be long term, it's probably going to be more of a shorter thing. But if I want to get back onto it, if I have another depressive episode, that's totally fine. And that could be helpful then. So for me, I do think it's likely that something like that will happen again. 
But if it does, I think I'll have the tools to work through that. And I'll know that all the looking up about side effects of my medication and how much I should take and looking up um, psychology stuff on Wikipedia is not helpful at all. And at all the Instagram, I know you do all the Instagram posts about like reminding people to take care of themselves. But for me, it was an obsessive thing. So mm-hmm. all of that, I know that's not healthy. So I just, I, I, I learned from the experience, I feel, so I know more. Nemi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Of course, this concludes this podcast, guys. Find us on Instagram at the Your Life Sucks Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye.